Welcome to Curito Connects. I'm your host, Jen, and I've been conversing with friends around the world about life challenges and impactful moments. Conversations on this platform look at answering the questions, how we overcome challenges and how our experiences shape who we are and the work we do today. I hope this work can inspire you on your own personal and individual journey. Let's dive right in. Hello, so my guest today is Ben Wong, head of open innovation at Eureka Nova based out of Hong Kong, a leading open innovation platform that empowers technology startups to co-create within the new world group ecosystem of culture, creativity, and innovation. Hi, Ben. Hi, Jen. How are you? Thanks for having me. Oh, of course. Thanks. Thanks for joining. Um, I'm excited to have Ben on as a guest today. Uh, so first off, congratulations on becoming a father during COVID. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. There's a few of us out there. Yeah, there is a, a few. I think many. <laughs> yes, yes. So a little background. Uh, ben and I went to Dickinson College together in Carlisle, Pennsylvania. I believe we were, you can correct me if I'm wrong about this, but basically like you know, we were the two out of 10 Asian students in our graduating class at the time. Uh, we actually never really hung out much in college. Uh, ben was in a fraternity and played football. And I have to admit, I've never even watched a Red Devils football game. <laughs> I know where the field is, which is I never watched a game. I only remember him as a talented, good-looking Asian guy on campus. Fast forward a decade later, who knew our paths would cross in Taipei when Ben visited the former company, Taiwan Startup Stadium, that I was working at. It has been a great pleasure to reconnect with Ben these last few years, uh, both in Taiwan and Hong Kong, to chat about the startup ecosystems in both places. You have a lot to share as well. So in this episode, uh, I've asked Ben um, you know, what we wanted to talk about for the challenges and impactful moments for himself. Um, you have a lot to cover, Ben. <laughs> sure. So we're gonna we're gonna dive into this. Uh, you know, we might cover not all, but you know, being first generation Ch- Chinese Malay, growing up in New Jersey, uh, why you chose sports. Um, you know, there, there are not that many Asians playing football. Um, uh, so you can talk a little bit about that. Uh, learning from your parents' mistakes. I thought that was interesting because I don't know what those are, but you might share with us later on. And then how you decided to move to Asia. Um, sure. Yeah. So I will let you kind of dive right in here and see how you want to start us off. Yeah. Um, again, Jen, th- thank you for having me on your podcast. This is pretty cool. And I have to say, um, you know, even though we went to the same school and I believe we even stayed at the same dorm, uh, we, we just kind of crossed paths and, and never really got to hang out together. And it was pretty cool uh, when I uh, was working uh, in Hong Kong, and I took a trip, a business trip to Taipei uh, to meet um, one of our partners. And then suddenly I heard Ben out of nowhere. And I was like, who, who knows me here in Taipei? <laughs> and I look over, it was you. And it, it was um, you know, quite exciting. And then you know, we, we've obviously connected uh, ever since. Uh, you know, it's just that we never actually connected at, at school. But uh, right. again, glad, glad to uh, you know, be here. I guess I'll start off with a little bit of a background of, uh, you know, my, my personal life. Um, so I was born in Kuala Lumpur, uh, Malaysia. Um, my parents uh, were doing odd jobs, trying to figure things out. Uh, my, my dad was, I remember, a chicken salesman at uh, a uh, grocery store. 
And then um, I guess that didn't work out. And then he tried to be a fisherman. And, and we moved to uh, KK, uh, uh, Kota Kinabalu in, in Sabah. And I guess that didn't work out. Uh, and uh, he decided to uh, move to uh, the US and try out the restaurant business. Um, so he went to the US first. Um, we were, my brother and I, we were just kids. Um, and my mom was also kind of figuring her life out. And I think she was doing uh, cosmetic sales at the airport. Um, and uh, while my dad was trying to figure things out in New Jersey, New York, um, my mom took care of us. And uh, eventually my mom then went uh, first uh, to the uh, U.S. And we were uh, staying with my uncle and my grandparents. Uh, for a couple of years uh, and again just waiting for the opportunity to uh, kind of reconnect with our parents i think two years later um, i was around nine years old uh, my mom and my dad saved up uh, enough money and uh, sent us over uh, so then uh, from, from that point on i grew up uh, in the u.s and i was a little bit lost i, I think the one thing i remember thinking was, hey, you know, I'm Asian and I'm in America and I suddenly have a bunch of students and kids my age asking me if I know Kung Fu. And I thought, hey, why don't I just play this up? I grew up watching like, you know, Huang Fei Hong, you know, uh, doing yeah. all the fly, uh, you know, flying around and kicking and all that kind of stuff. I said, I'll just play this up. And I, I guess, you know, the naive me and the naive kids in America thought, hey, yeah, he's Asian. He must know Kung Fu. And let's, you know, stay away from him until I got challenged one day. <laughs> and uh, we were playing a wall ball. And uh, I think um, some kid thought I took his ball. And, you know, I, I started to pull off these, like, kung fu moves in front of him, um, which was ridiculous. And I look back at it. And he just punched <laughs> me in the face. <laughs> he punched me in the face. And I bled uh, nonstop, because uh, I think I cut my lip. Uh, and I remember from that point on, uh, I'm definitely not going to play up this Kung Fu thing. Um, so yeah, that, that was kind of my introduction to America. And, um, you know, how I got into sports was really uh, after that moment, I started meeting up with friends that um, was very nice to protect me to a certain degree, because mm -hmm. I was getting picked on. Uh, mm -hmm. And they introduced me to wrestling. Uh, you know, mm -hmm. and we did wrestling and I, I suddenly found myself a little bit, you know, I was kind of this very scrawny um, little Asian kid with glasses. <laughs> I, I wore glasses since I was five years old. And, oh, wow. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, no. I, I look back at it. I was, you know, it's just, it, it's funny um, how I went from this very, you know, stereotypical geeky Asian kid um to um be able to find sports to really propel um you know my my my, my confidence and my ability to uh, you know connect with other people uh through sports um so yeah um wrestling led to then uh some basketball led to some baseball and then eventually i found my sport which was uh, football and Played football uh, throughout uh, high school and then got recruited at Dickinson College. And then, uh, you know, um, played a little bit more and uh, eventually moved to Hong Kong. Uh, and Hong Kong even has a football team. So I I'm still playing a little bit. Um, I probably should you know, quit soon. I'm getting older. Uh, but uh, yeah, um, that, that's really kind of helped me really. Uh, I, I think I have to say sports have shaped, shaped my life. Uh, entirely. Uh, if I didn't have sports, I don't think I'd meet the people 
uh, the coaches that uh, have uh, helped me in my life um, and, you know, who I am today. Uh, I would have been a very different person. Yeah. Could you kind of elaborate a little bit about that? I mean, I've had others on the episodes who, you know, um, are in the sports industry, you know, and a lot of them do talk about how it is for some very vital to how it shapes you as an individual, right? Because like you said earlier, you know, coming in as an immigrant and, you know, transitioning as a young, young, I mean, you weren't even a young adult. It was like you were a kid, basically, you were nine. Right. So having to kind of find your place and your parents are very busy, right? It's just you and your brother, a new environment. How was it that sports, you know, you it's almost like you found your safe haven through sports, right? And you learn and grew through sports. And sports is always, I mean, I think for myself too, I feel like sports is always a great way to learn about sportsmanship, about how to be a better person, right? It's not always about the wins and the losses. So for you, yeah. you know, and were there other were there others you could relate to, I guess, like, you know, who came from a similar background like you or it was, yeah. Yeah, I would say um, having uh, access to an immediate brotherhood was uh, amazing, right? Because in a team atmosphere, uh, you are forced to a certain degree to work along with each other and ultimately uh, win as a team. Uh, and I think there's so many kind of learning uh, points within a team uh, and through uh, your teammates, through your captains and through your coaches that, um, you know, translate into life uh, so well, you know, I, I think um, number one, when I got introduced to sports, it was, you know, uh, my childhood friend uh, who, you know, made it fun, right? You know, go, go into someone's backyard, kick the ball around, shoot the basketball around. I think that number one, having my, my parents work in a Chinese restaurant and my brother and I just being home alone, that was a great way for us to, you know, um, make friends. Um, but then when it started to get a little bit more serious and I, I started to realize I could play a little bit of sports, um, I just remember how much a coach would push you to challenge yourself. Um I still remember um, when we were trying out for a baseball team in high school and you would think that baseball is probably the one of the uh, least strenuous uh, or physical sport out there, but baseball was probably the hardest tryout I've ever had in my life. Um, I recall uh, the coach making a slide headfirst in a basketball court. Right. And, and we were, our, our arms were ripped apart. Our hands uh, were blistering. Um, but the coach was basically uh, asking us to dig very deep inside and challenge ourselves. And, you know, if you, you know, like, like you, you kind of were shocked, right? Most people would be shocked. Like, Why would you do that? But <laughs> after you've done it, you realize you can dig deeper. You can go further mm-hmm. and you've become a better person as a result. And I think, that has helped a lot because not only have you done that, but your entire team dug right. deep together, everyone. right? Yeah, yeah exactly. It. And you've, you've challenged yourself together. You've won together. You've lost together. You've overcome challenges together. And man, I, I, I look back at it and I, I try to translate a lot of these learnings to my team. You know, my team might go, hey, um, you know, there's too much work, right? And... <laughs> Which is probably a, a you know comment it's that true. most managers see, right? Yeah. But, but you know, let let's think about it together. Let's take on this challenge together, right? 
let's see how far we can go together. And, and I think um, a lot of this, it, it, in the end, when we have successful projects at work, uh, you know, people realize, man, I, I can do a lot more than I originally anticipated. And, you know, people talk about uh, being in your comfort zone. Sports was the best way for us to step outside our comfort zone, right? Um, so, yeah, uh, I've learned a lot. Yeah. I love, yeah. I love how you integrated that into work. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I do it all the time. I, and um, uh, I don't know if you remember one of our uh, classmates in, in college. Um, his, his name was Rich Rosenthal. Um, I, I guess he's going to get a shutout maybe. Uh, but uh, just having <laughs> someone to amp you up, right? Um, yeah. Having your manager to step up there and, and tell you you can do it. Rich was that person for me, you know, uh, always when we go work out together, he's like, you know, Wong, you, you can do more than this. You know, I, I know you can, you know, you, you're, you're uh, taking a step back right now. And he just, you know, always challenging me. And, and I felt that um, I actually learned a lot from him and I actually used those tactics with my team, um, you know, obviously <laughs> in a genuine way, but it works. Uh, I really feel um, speaking to a lot of kind of managers uh, in our industry most of them have a little bit of a sports background yes. and i feel like um you know that that's something that everyone should consider um you know when, when they look at you know activities or extracurricular that they want to try so. yeah i think so it's very important so you had mentioned earlier too about your parents right so yeah. you know as a kid and watching both your parents try, you know, try to make means for the household and making that decision to leave you and your brother back in Malaysia while they pursue the American dream and then bringing you guys over. Um, is that something as a family you guys, you know, oftentimes discuss, you know, out of gratitude for, you know, mom, dad, like, thanks for bringing us over here. You know, if it wasn't because of, you know, the machine like your struggle. <laughs> You know, like, you know, bro and I would not be where we are today, et cetera, et cetera. You know, yeah, so I, yeah. how would you shape that storyline uh, or not shape the storyline? But I guess, you know, in hindsight now, when you look back and and how things have unfolded, um, you, you yeah. had mentioned you learned from their mistakes. Yeah. What to you was their mistakes? You know what I mean? Or yeah, sure. <laughs> or as father now what would you make sure you do differently yeah yeah your- yeah yeah <laughs> absolutely so, so you know i you know we are an asian family and mm-hmm. um, you know as an asian family um communicating your gratitude towards them uh it's a very difficult thing to do <laughs> um so in, in fact i've never really you know sat in front of them and had that conversation to thank them for all that they've done I think it's because understood uh, in in Asian culture, right? There, there's no need to kind of communicate uh, to a certain degree. You, you're kind of proving through action, you know, showing uh, your gratitude through your actions in life. Um, so very traditional. I think uh, a lot of, you know, first generation, uh, you know, uh, Asian Americans uh, have kind of similar uh, experiences, you know. Uh, having a tough dad, uh, you know, the mom that, you know, tries to help you empathize. Um, I just remember my dad was always been, um, you know, the strict one. Um, you got to be careful around him, right? Not say the wrong things. Um, he uh, essentially was the uh, breadwinner. Uh, he, and my mom 
would be uh, someone who uh, is more of trying to get us to understand my dad's point of view or understand uh, things that we've done wrong, right? And, and I'm not sure if you've had this experience, Jen, but uh, being from Malaysia, corporal punishment is normal. Oh. Um, so, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I do not have No, you didn't. Oh, lucky you. <laughs> um, so, I mean, uh, we were punished physically um, as a kid uh, in school, uh, on the bus, uh, at home. I, I still have a very vivid memory of my grandfather was a bus driver in Malaysia. So, um, the bus driving system in Malaysia. Um, they don't necessarily pick up all the students from one school. They'll go to multiple schools, pick up the kids, and then drop them off. And I remember uh, we had one uh, kid that always sat in the front with me who was very naughty, um, you know, always causing trouble. And um, my grandpa would uh, stop the bus on the side of the road and take out, uh, you know, in Cantonese, it's a tantu, like a bamboo stick. Yeah, the bamboo <laughs> And and whip him up, and, and I remember, whoa! Like, I, you know, to me, uh, that was normal. You know, everyone gets hit. Uh, but the 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 part that shocked me was after he got hit and he cried, um, and when my grandfather dropped him off at home, my grandfather stepped off, took him off the bus, told the parents, and then the parents whipped him. You know, whip whip the kid in front of all of us. Um, so it was kind of this like. Um, it takes a village saying, you know, in terms of like uh, taking care of the kids, but it was very normal. So mm -hmm. that translated to my home. Uh, so being hit was kind of normal. Uh, if you if you do something wrong, you, you get punished. Uh, and my mom, uh, I would say, uh, if my mom wasn't there, I would probably uh, gain over time a lot of hatred towards my father uh, because I wouldn't understand why I was getting hit. Right, um, right. So, so my mom would kind of try to uh, number one tell me what I did wrong. Right. Uh, tell me what is my communicating with you. Yeah, yeah, and then and then, you know even though if I'm uh, I don't agree, um, trying to uh, help me understand my dad's point of view, and many of the times it was probably in hindsight I look back at it, it's probably not right, um, but she would always, always, always make sure that I say sorry, wrong or right right if i was angry that i got hit for no reason uh, my mom would help me kind of understand that you know what um if you don't say sorry it's just going to get worse right this is not going to get better right if you want this to get better you need to go in there just man up and say sorry and many times i, I had to say i think i had a hundred percent hit rate i had to do it right um <laughs> but uh, I, I, if I look back at it and I compare it to some of um, you know Asian families that uh, didn't have that piece, the mothers that uh, didn't help the kids empathize, right, um, right. I, I think you would hear different stories, different relationships. I look mm -hmm. back and I kind of go, hey, um, why is it that whenever I argue with people or whenever um, you know I, I disagree with people that I can let go very easily? Mm. Um, I, I think that has to do a lot with my mom's wow. teachings. Yeah, Even yeah, yeah. when I argue with my wife, <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm very fast to forget. Um, okay. I'm very fast to kind of go, you know what? Uh, even if I'm right, 
it's just not worth it, right? Um, I, I think uh, let's just say sorry. Let's just figure out how to solve it in a better way later, um, mm -hmm. because um, you know you can't fight fire with fire, right? Um, okay. So so that has helped me, right? Um, and, and you know that leads into kind of learning from my parents' mistakes, uh, because I, I do forgive them uh, for a lot of things that they've done. Um, and I think one of the um, stories that I can share is uh, my dad, like, like probably a lot of um, Asian families could probably relate, he loved gambling, right? And he, um, you know, as a kid, you don't really understand uh, what gambling meant. Mm -hmm. uh, so I remember I was probably 10, 11 years old, and my brother and I uh, went to Atlantic City, and we went to a casino called Showboat. And Showboat uh, was kind of like a, a, a New Orleans-themed casino. There was a lot of entertainment. There were clowns all over, uh, people in costumes. So, so to kids, that was, whoa, this is like an amusement park. We, we thought of it as the place to go to, uh, to have fun. While dad goes and have you know, his fun, and he goes and gambles. Right. And then I just remember uh, while we were having fun, the first, you know, call it six hours or so, it's a lot of fun, right? And then we started, um, when things started to close, we just realized, hey, why are we staying so much longer? Uh, and that six hours turned to, you know, 10 hours, turned to 15 hours, turned to 24 hours. And at this point, uh, we realized that my dad has been, you know, gambling uh, the whole entire time. And, and he would go through, 48 hour stretches the longest i've seen it 72 hour stretches and you don't see him he just doesn't know wow. what's happening but the kind of time where i always relate back to is my uh when we decided to go home uh, my brother and i and my mom we, we were walking towards the car and i asked my dad's like dad um you know can i get a soda and the soda was you know a dollar i think maybe a little less and he went to his pocket and he only had 25 cents left right and that's when I went, wow, like, I remember you coming in with a lot of cash um, and we were supposed to have fun and I can't even get a soda right now. And that mm. was the moment where I went, man, this is not okay. How and old were you? 11, max, 11 oh, years old, 10, okay. 11. Yeah, that's... <sighs> yeah that, that was the moment where I went, uh, this is not okay. I would never want to put my family in this situation, right? Um, so, so from that point on, I, I think um, you know, my, 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 my dad went through ups and downs, uh, you know, compromise relationships with family, compromise our relationship with the family, went bankrupt, sold his restaurant, right? All of these uh, kind of uh, challenges I witnessed and, and I had to help. Uh, I had to, um, you know, fund uh, some of my dad's, you know, misfortunes that happened and um, all of those learning, um, call it obstacles that, that we had to go through, um, just made me as a stronger, I, I think, family person. Um, right. So, so I, you know, now that I have a daughter, I have a wife, right? Uh, I, I always tell them, it's like, that would never happen to us. Um, and, and I'll do everything in my power to make sure that, you know, I don't repeat the mistakes that my dad uh, made, right? Right, um, so, right. so, you know, long story short, um, I, I do, you know, 
going back to my, my mom asking me to empathize. To, to a certain degree, I, I thank my dad um, for, it, it sounds ridiculous, but thank my dad for, <laughs> for showing me this journey because I, I have a great relationship with him now, right? That's uh, great. He, he's, he's no longer gambling. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I've controlled his finances. Um, and uh, he now understands the mistakes that he made. Um, and now he, he's going to be a full-time, you know, grandfather, right? Like, you know, let's not mess around, right? Um, yeah. But I thank him for showing me in a way that his mistakes because I won't repeat them, right? Yes. And I've, I've seen so much already that I hope that the mistakes I do make in the future are, are low-risk mistakes. Right, right, yeah. right. It's like his mistakes were your learnings. It was like, you know. Yeah, you uh, if, if you talk about being optimistic and positive, right? And uh, to me, <laughs> uh, that's the way I take it, yeah. Yes, yes right. Um, so, okay, well, I think that really clearly shows a lot of, you know, where your background kind of gives you all that experience to where you are now. And then in terms of how did you end up deciding to leave New Jersey, right? Leave mm. the U.S. to come to Asia. That I guess that was a conscious choice on your part, right? Was it because you didn't want to be around them to help them out with stuff? Or, you mm. know, after graduating from Dickinson, you didn't go to New York like a lot of the other classmates of ours did who, yeah, because you did business, right? You, you right. majored in So, what, what, and then and then we graduated when Lehman hit. So that, I mean, that was like, yeah. in general, like a terrible time to find yes. jobs Absolutely. in OA. So, so what triggered you to be like, yeah, you know, I'm just gonna go to Asia. Yeah, um, quite a few things. I, I think number one, if I didn't go to Asia, I think I would have just been running my dad's restaurant. You know, I think. Mm-hmm. I look back at it, I probably would have opened a few restaurants. It would have been probably fun. Uh, but, you know, part of me was I didn't want to do that. I, I didn't want to be around my parents that much. Uh, you know, I've seen the restaurant business. I've seen the ups and downs of a restaurant business. I remember my dad asking me to take it over, and uh, it just didn't make sense for me because, you know, you sent me to go to, um, you know, Dickinson College get an international business major and you want me to run your restaurant right um so, so it, i felt is it sorry. still around is the restaurant is your family restaurant still around no no longer so the restaurant got sold um oh, in okay. the end yeah so uh um, well just time before covid too right so so it right. wasn't by by covid so many that's restaurants right COVID. yeah so so it it just didn't um Number one, I guess I didn't want to be home as much. I think number two, um, I really uh, wanted to um, try new things. Um, and I, I think the, the part that really changed my life was uh, a combination of studying abroad at Dickinson College. Uh, I think I, uh, I studied abroad and we uh, did a month in Hong Kong and Shanghai in the Greater Bay Area. And I saw the opportunity. I remember um, we were going from one hour uh, dormitory to a class in Shenzhen. And we walked past a mall and it was a Nike pop-up shop that they were building in front of a mall. It was all glass and everything. And I was thinking while I was walking to class in the morning, well, that'll take a couple of weeks, right? That's because it usually takes a couple of weeks in America. Uh, And I remember 
lunchtime, a little bit, I think a little bit after lunchtime, walking back towards the dorm, and I came back, and the store was up and running. And I went, holy crap, this is so fast. Uh, China and business here in Asia was at hyperspeed, you know? Um, so I said, you know, I got to one try it, right? I got to give it a try. But the part that really drove me to go was I had a, after coming back to the States, I was in a car with my dad and, you know, call it the sports in me and the, the, the um, the athlete the in you. Earn, the, 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 you know, I, I always uh, love challenges, right? Um, <laughs> and, and my dad goes, you can't make money in China. You can't make money in China. And I, and I said, you know, obviously I didn't, I didn't um, argue with him. In my mind, it's like, I'm going to prove you wrong. Yeah, yeah. Right? You're like, we'll get you can. I'm going to prove yeah, you Yeah, exactly. Exactly. You know, I was like, if you're going to say that, I'll show you, I'll prove you wrong, you know? And uh, so, so that triggered it. And um, I realized that about me over time that if people challenge me or, or say that I can't do a certain thing, I, I just suddenly get motivated, right? Um, so, uh, yeah. Um, told my dad, I told my mom, listen, I'm going to go for a year, give it a try. And if it doesn't work, you know, I'll come back. Um, and now it's been 13 years, right? 13 <laughs> yeah. years in Asia. Um, so, uh, yeah. You know, uh, I, I feel that um, Asia was such a backward um, thought for my family. You know, we came from Malaysia. You, you, we moved you to the U.S. Now you want to go back to Asia? Yeah. Um, but I think they realize now, in hindsight, you know, the opportunities in Asia. You know, not not only in China, Hong Kong, Taiwan, but Southeast Asia even, right? Um, yeah. So, yeah, that, that was a big move. <laughs> Have you have your parents visited you in Hong Kong as well in these thirteen years? Yes, they have. They love it. Okay. Um, okay. okay. Yeah. Yeah. They love. They love the food. They love how convenient it is. They they love that you know you can hop a, on a flight from you know Hong Kong uh, and get to Taiwan within an hour and a half to Malaysia yeah. in four hours. Right. It, it's great. The beauty of Asia and Southeast Asia. Everything is within less than five hours of a. That's right. Well, when, when travel before was COVID. before <laughs> COVID. Um, so, okay, we're running short on time, but sure. I do have a few more questions. Uh, so one right now, I would like to just kind of extend this about you coming out to Asia. I wanted to ask, like, at the time coming out, uh, you know, you had your degree fresh out of college. Uh, maybe you had some sort of idea, like what industry you wanted to be in or what you wanted to do or pursue. How did that career path shape for you, you know, mm. being like leaving the U.S. and coming to Asia. And I don't know how fluent your Chinese is or was, or I mean, sure it is fluent now, but at the time, you know, and just kind of being like, all right, I'm here. Like, how, you know, how, how do I make this work? Right. Yeah. Yeah. So I had a little bit of a game plan uh, and the game plan was let's just uh, get in there and try to find a job, um, but also do my own startup. Um, so. I couldn't necessarily find a job. Like you said, it, it was tough to find a job after we graduated. So I took on a teaching role. Um, it was a program called China Program. Um, and I applied and I got in. And I still remember, um, you know, they got us the visa and we were making roughly $600 a month uh, US as, a, as an English teacher. 
And that, that was sufficient in Shenzhen to, you know, uh, live, go out and have a little bit of entertainment, eating wonton soup every day. Um, and uh, like a supposed- dollar. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Uh, even less. Um, and I remember uh, for us to make a little bit more money, we would tutor. Uh, right. But I would take that time to try to do my own business. Um, so at that time, I uh, wanted to do um, a company that basically basically did tailor suits and ship it back to the U.S. Because oh, uh, I could yeah. do a tailor suit for seventy dollars. Um, I right. just needed a measurement, and I wanted to sell it to college students for two hundred bucks and make a little bit of a you know margin on that. Um, I tried it. I was I think I shipped like five suits. And okay. um, I just didn't have enough, you know, call it business acumen, uh, knowledge or the resources to do well. Uh, so closed that business and then went into the trading sector. Um, and uh, that's when I joined the company called Global Sources um, that basically helps Chinese factories sell their products globally. Um, so I, I did that, um, but I've always had the entrepreneurial spirit in me. Uh, I've always, I've always kind of been challenge driven. I wanted to create new things, uh, so I did Global Sources for a few years. And we had a few Dickinson alums at Global Sources, right? That's right. That's right. Yeah. Uh, Peter Wing, in fact, was the guy that got me a job at Dickinson. I'm okay. sorry, at, at Global Sources. At Global Sources, right? As a copywriter. Right. Um, so yeah, good old, um, Pete. <laughs> good old Pete. That's right. Pete. And yeah, so so did that and. Uh, I got the opportunity to work for the chairman of the company. So I was his, his executive assistant for a couple of years. And he basically asked me um, afterwards, he's like, hey, what do you want to do? And I said, you know, um, maybe try a different business or go to school. Um, so he's like, hey, why don't you go to school? You know, go get your MBA, come back and try something new. Uh, so I went to go uh, get my MBA. And at that time, I've learned a lot about the startup space uh, in school and, you know, uh, the entrepreneurial spirit started coming back. And then when I came back to Global Sources, um, the company basically said, hey, why don't you try different business models for Global Sources to try to um, innovate slash uh, drive a new business unit, um, you know, because we're kind of uh, already been doing a cash cow business for some time. We need something new. Uh, so uh, I was able to take you know, a, a, a nice amount and uh, budget and try five different businesses and took the, you know, entrepreneurial route of driving a minimum viable product to prove if uh, the solution would work. Tried multiple yeah. things, ran my own Kickstarter, ran my own yeah. product, ran an e-commerce platform. But the thing that hit, and that's when we actually met, was Startup Launchpad. Um, and that was basically uh, helping startups um, sell internationally and what i realized uh was when i went to ces in las vegas whoa there's like hundreds and thousands and of startup technology there but when i asked them where did they make their products they all said shenzhen right i said shenzhen is literally 40 minutes from here right and i decided to knock on a lot of doors i said hey guys you know uh the the procurement process the sourcing process was in uh, Hong Kong and the Greater Bay Area. Why don't I create a show called Startup Launchpad and help you guys source products from here and bring it back to your country? And we started off with thirty-five startups in our first show. Uh, 
buyers loved it. And then within a year and a half, two years, um, we had 700 startups and we became the largest startup show in Asia. Right? We brought in like 60,000 buyers from all over the world. And um, yeah, so, so that kind of helped me uh, really cement myself in the startup space and in what I'm doing today running an open innovation platform. Um, you know, I, I continue uh, to create platforms and solutions to equip these startups uh, yeah. to be a little bit more successful, essentially. Yeah. yeah, that's awesome. I feel like it's like such a nice like story, you know, maybe it's something <laughs> A book or something. <laughs> yeah, if you buy it, maybe I'll write one. <laughs> uh, okay, <laughs> we'll look into that. Um, so before we wrap up, um, you know, last question for the audience listening: uh, What would you say to those who really resonate with your story? Right, whether it's the you know Asian immigrant aspect of it, or um, you know growing up in an Asian household, very traditional Asian household, um, you know, whether it's the sports side or, um, you know, no, really knowing what you want to do and going for it uh, and being very innovative and open-minded to adapting to the different things that come at you. Um, what would you say to those people, I guess, out there listening, uh, your, you know, Ben Wong, two cent of advice or wise words as wide words of wisdom, as I like to call it. Yeah, I'll give it a shot. Um, <laughs> I've thought about this in the past. And, and I think when it comes to parents, I think a lot of first generation, second generation Asian families um, always bring up the complicated relationships that they have with their parents. And I think we have to realize that our parents are not perfect. Um, but we just need to understand what our parents are trying to achieve. And, and I think parents, in, in most cases, are trying to create the best possible foundation for their children to do well, right? Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. And I think if that's the purpose and the objective of that family, you, you just you know, have to commend them and take the positive approach, uh, no matter how complicated uh, your uh, relationship is with your family. Um, yeah, they, they, you know, there's a goal and then there's the tactics, right? And tactics yeah. may or may not be right. So your, your parents are going to make mistakes. You're going to make mistakes. But mm -hmm. ultimately, what are they trying to achieve? So yeah. I think, number one, you really should appreciate what they've already tried to provide you. You are here yes. to a certain degree because of them. Right. Um, so always take the positive route when it comes to, you know, understanding your parents. Uh, they, they went through a lot as immigrants. If they moved to, um, you know, the U.S. or elsewhere, um, they, they took a lot of risk uh, in their lives as well. Um, so so that, that's kind of my, my thing, uh, you know, with, with relationships with your family. Yeah. It's like, yeah. say sorry, thank you, and I'm grateful. <laughs> and I exactly. love you. Exactly, exactly. Even though it's hard to say, you know, by action, right? Show it. I remember when my mom started saying it to me, I said, well, that's weird to say back. Uh, <laughs> but, um, you know, I, I say it now and it, it's it's nice. I know she likes it. I know I feel good when I say it. Um, yeah. But yeah, it just takes, it, it takes please, practice. Yeah, it does. It does take practice. Yeah, it, it took practice. me like 10 times to understand what I'm trying to do. <laughs> I could easily say it to my girlfriends, but it was so hard for me to say it to my mom. <laughs> I think that's a really great way to uh, summarize all that, um, you know, because without them, we wouldn't be here. And without them, you wouldn't be where you are right now either. 
That's and right. you've definitely learned a lot from them to apply to all the things you've, you know, your resilience, anything you've encountered to get to where you are today. Absolutely. And so you're going to teach that to your daughter. <laughs> That's the goal. Let's see what happens. Yeah, let's see what happens. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you so much. And I'm going to include um, the open innovation link in uh, in the resources below so people can Great. reach out to you, you know, whether they're startups in the U.S. or the bridging that you work with a lot, you know, um, and I think that's great. You're a great resource for, for those out there. So um, thank you thank and you so happy holidays. You as well. Merry Christmas. <laughs> Merry Christmas. <laughs> that's all we have time for today. Thank you for listening to Carito Connects. For more Connects content, collaborations, and discoveries set to inspire you on your own individual journey, please head to our website at www.curito.co. Until next time, stay inspired and thank you for joining us at Curito Connects.